Yo, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. And yo, shocker on Shock Street. Guess what we're starting the show off today? I'll give anybody a guess. We're starting off with the outro today. Oh, okay. That's that's not... Yo, Rob, what are you starting <laughs> off with today? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no hitter. Ding, ding, ding. Yo, we have... What is it? Like the third or fourth no hitter in the row? It, 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 like in consecutive weeks? Yeah, it's like every it's every week. It's 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 because of Diamond Talk. If, as long as we record an episode of Diamond Talk, there will be a no hitter thrown that week. I just want to put that out there. And that Daniel is, will not choose that pitcher as the player of the week. That is the DT guarantee. <laughs> Both of those things are a DT guarantee. Yeah, man, yo, look. So so for you guys just tuning in right now, man, look, John Means just threw a no hitter against the against the what's it called the Mariners, and yo Nick, Nick kind of called it before in the early on in the season. He's a, he asked a question: Is John Means an ace? Look now. One 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 game does not make you an ace, but yo Nick, take your victory lap right now, buddy. What do you got for us? Man, I haven't run in years. I'm definitely running this victory lap. The question was posed: Is John means an ace? And almost everybody said no. Almost everybody, and I said yes because, of especially where he pitches, this man just gets outs. He's not the Garrett Cole that's going to strike out 44 percent of the hitters that he faces. But he is getting them all out, and he showed it today. This dude is an ace. Get him off the Orioles so he can be on a national stage of some sort. Man, yo, look, and and that's kind of a big deal of it, right? Like, so so my opinion on it, we'll get we'll get to Rob. By the way, hello, Rob and Nick. I know I usually say what's up to you guys, but screw that. We just went. <laughs> nah, we're here. We're here. Yeah, we're going balls to walls. Like we're, we're straight into it, man. We straight into it. <laughs> no, but look, so so I'll, I'll let Rob get his opinion on it. But look, my thing is, look, John Means is the ace of the Orioles. I don't I don't know if I have him in down as an ace yeah at least not the way i um consider an ace but yo rob yo john means out here owning shit what do you got for me yeah no i mean i i think it's great for him it's it's not um i don't want to say that it's not surprising because i i I think i'm kind of in the middle of the argument right where i i agree with both of you guys do i think john means has the stuff to be an ace in the mob sure i don't think he's that right now i think he's baltimore's ace um, I think you can definitely be the ace of a of a pitching staff without being seen as a as a you know ace within the game because I mean flat out if we look at if we look at the numbers of the guys that we consider you know top ten guys in the game in the last three or four seasons John Means is gonna is gonna compare nowhere near those guys but I think you know the opportunity that he has out, out in Baltimore he's the clear number one in Baltimore and and that's also not to say that he doesn't have pitching talent because it's it's like Nick said right it's a lot of people said that John Means wasn't an ace, but a lot of people did say that we view him as a number two or a number three guy on on a contender. He he is that type of pitching talent, right? He reminds me more of of um a maybe like a like a Patrick Corbin type, you know, where it's like he might end up just being like that third guy behind a Scherzer or a Strasburg in a really good rotation. You know, I do think he probably is going to have to get out of Baltimore unless Baltimore is able to surround guys like him. And, you know, Adley Rushman when he comes up and things like that with better pieces so that we can, you know, his show can be on on even more of a display. But it's a great accomplishment for him. I mean, hey, anytime you throw a no hitter, that's big. It's great for him. Like we like we talked about as well. He's been one of the most he's been one of the most consistent and and top tier pitchers in baseball this season so far. So let's see if he can continue that for the whole 162. And Daniel, to your point, it is how you define an ace. And I define an ace as one of the top 30 pitchers in baseball. I don't think that. I don't think that every team has an ace. Like the Giants don't have an ace. Kevin Gaussman is not an ace. So, but I think that if you're a top 30 pitcher in baseball, you're an ace because if you split them up evenly, if we had a draft all over and everybody got to pick, everybody's going to get an ace. And Trevor Bauer is an ace, but he is not the ace of the Dodgers. 
So I consider him one of the top 30 pitchers in baseball, and to me, that is an ace. Okay, see, that, see and that's why it's so important, right? Because I have a different definition of an ace, but if you, if you ask me, is John Means a top 30 pitcher? I, I would say, yeah, you know what I mean? So under yeah. your definition of ace, I would have him as an ace. Under my definition of an ace, which is a little bit more gray area-ish, that, that's where I kind of have a falling out. So for me, an ace is a guy that, if it was Game 7 of the World Series, I would say, yep, absolutely, I would want this guy on the mound for me. And John means right now he's in that, that guy for me, right? Like, And it doesn't mean that he can't become that guy. I think his, his stuff is kind of uh, level two. You know, uh, Rob brought up Patrick Corbin, and Patrick Corbin has really good stuff. He's just really consistent with it. You know I mean, John Means is a lot more consistent with all his with all his pitches. He lives in the zone a lot better yeah. than Patrick Corbin, which which goes. Yeah, you know, he should be better. He should be better than Patrick Corbin. Like even even though that was a comparison, I, I think Means has better stuff. And I, I just I I brought up Patrick Corbin because it, it the the situation just reminds me of it. You know, there was like that one year before Corbin signed that big deal with the Nationals, where where he kind of was that ace for for the Diamondbacks. You know, at that one guy even though the Diamondbacks weren't necessarily that good, whereas John Means is kind of caught up in a similar situation. Absolutely, man. Like, and, and what we've seen, a guy like John Means, if he gets, if he gets to the right team, you know, we're not saying that the Orioles are the wrong team, even though I, I, you know, I think you can argue right now they probably are the wrong team just based on their history. Um, if he goes to a team that is, is, is you know, heavily influenced on their pitching, you know, a team like the Dodgers, a team like the A's, someone like that, that they take guys with average talent and they just end up being so much better He's probably he's, at that point. He's probably a top, you know, fifteen pitcher. You know what I mean, but yo, look, guys, we have to put this down as a historic kind of milestone. Me and Nick have kind of been disagreeing on stuff lately. I think this is the first time in a while. Me, me and Nick, disagree, I mean, me and Nick agree on something. So I yeah. think we dissolve. We, we deserve a round of applause. Anybody, somebody clap. Ooh, thank, thank you very much. Yo, Rob is like, Rob is like our parent. You know, he has to like separate us. He's like the person <laughs> with like. Yeah, he's like the, the the one with like. Uh, I'm like I'm like the happy medium. Exactly. I'm like the happy medium in your guys's world of extremes. You know. <laughs> yo, Come on, guys, share your snacks. Let's go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, yo, but seriously, uh, congratulations to John Means. I know he's gonna give the Yankees trouble this, this entire year. Um, but yeah, man, look, it's not. It hasn't been until he becomes a Yankee. You know what? Oh, bro, I, I remember when he's gonna. <laughs> Yo, John Means gonna be well seasoned. Let's just say that as well, because it, no matter if he leaves Baltimore or not, I mean he's had he has experience pitching in the AL East, and if he stays, the way that you know Yankees are 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 playing more decent baseball, they're playing Toronto, Tampa Bay, Red Sox. Definitely not easy teams to always be facing. I'll say this though, man, he looks more like a Toronto Blue Jay. I don't know why. I get that more of a Toronto Blue Jay coming in. Yeah. <laughs> no, way. actually, low key though. <laughs> yep. Yep, I could definitely, I could definitely see Toronto making a run at him. Yeah, dude, I, we're more of a Matthew Boyd guy for some reason. I, I don't know why that's that just tends to be. Our oh my god, team. yeah, Matthew Boyd rumors for like the past three years. Yeah, because he's such an excellent pitcher. But anyway, you're right. right. John right means now. is too good to be a Yankee. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hater ass Nick. Yo, anyway. Yeah, Yankee Yankees aim for lower talent. <laughs> like that's just what the Yankees do. AKA exactly, especially on the pitching mound. <laughs> Yo, it hasn't yeah. so it hasn't been all great, unfortunately, this week, man. We had some, we had a couple of huge injuries, huge, huge injuries, man, to, to some contenders, some teams that we expect to be in, in it when it comes to October. And since we're on pitching, let's let's go to our first guy. Dustin May will be out for the rest of the season. He's gonna have Tommy John surgery, and before being called up a few years ago, 
Dustin May historically has some arm trouble. It's the reason why some teams thought they could get him for cheap in a trade, right? Um, and not for cheap, right? Manny Machado was part of some of those trade conversations. You, 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 the Orioles wanted Dustin May to be part of that package for Manny Machado. You know, Dodgers obviously said no. But he, he's had arm troubles in the past. But, you know, now he gets Tommy John. He's going to be out for a year and a half probably. Yo, how does this affect the Dodgers? You know, because we've been saying all year how the Dodgers are so deep. They have so much depth. You know, David Price is out here coming out of the bullpen. But they've been struggling, and they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, I'm going to kick it over to Nick first just because, you know, I've designated you our pitching guy, and I have to say it every episode because if not, this isn't a real episode. Dude, do you think that the Dustin May situation and, and his injury, do you think that really affects the Dodgers' chances at all going forward? Absolutely. This is There's a lot of pitchers that come out, especially young guys that I'll watch or, or you know, people see, and it's – Sometimes, it's a lot of times it's tough to see why they're so good because you're not seeing it from the hitter's viewpoint. And on TV, it's not always easy to see the movement. It's not always easy to see the hop in the fastball, even though you see it's at 99 and that's really fast. But a straight fastball, I don't care what hitter's up there. Any hitter can hit a straight fastball, even at 105. The fact that there's movement or there's a little hop to it or there's a good cut to it or there's some sink to it, that's what makes a good fastball a good fastball or a good sinker a good sinker. And Dustin May has good hop on his four seam. He has great sink on his sinker. And he has amazing cut action on his cutter. And all of those are 94 miles an hour plus. This is one of the few guys that I would watch coming up that I could see why he was so good. And watching his pitches, it's almost like it's, it was surprising he wasn't better than he was in his results until this year. This year, granted, only 23 innings pitched. His strikeout minus walk ratio is 31.2%. That's Garrett Cole's status. Not this year, because Garrett Cole's on a whole other level this year. But that's that's ace stuff from a strikeout minus walk percentage. A .96 whip, that's Max Scherzer. That's Clayton Kershaw. Like That's very top-notch whip. 2.56 ERA, a 186 average against. I mean, the dude, it was his stats this year were finally where his stuff looked like. And for him to go down, especially to TJ, it's just, it's really, really sad uh, for him individually. I was really excited to watch him all year. He's one of the few Dodgers that I like to watch. Uh, I don't want to say I was ever rooting for him, but he was getting close to that for me. Where yes, I would actually, you were. Don't lie to him. You know, a, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I wanted to see this guy do well because coming up, like I said, you, I could see what it was. I also really like his demeanor on the mound. I like guys just kind of go out there and pitch and it's, it's like he knew he was that good, and he didn't do it in a way a la Trevor Bauer, which, by the way, Trevor Bauer has so much pizzazz, and he gives credit to the other side so much. I actually enjoy watching him. But he just went out there and did his job. He knew he was good. He got excited at the right times, in my opinion, and he showed his excitement in the right way, in my opinion. And I'm a little bit old school in that, but I really like watching this guy pitch. So for Dustin May, man, this is, this is sad because he has such an easy motion, too, that he was one of the guys – that because he threw so hard, he kind of expected this guy's got to get Tommy John. But when you watched him pitch with his motion and his mechanics, they were very simple. They're very easy. They're very repeatable. They're very fluid. And typically those kind of guys don't go through this kind of arm trouble. But as you said, he's always had it, which was just kind of weird to me. So he just has a very fluid max effort. So when he comes back, is he still going to be that kind of guy is, is the part that I'm really looking into in the future. And unfortunately, that future is going to be a year and a half away assuming no setback from the Dodgers standpoint 
this is a big blow. And the major reason for that is he can be a dominant starter with, as we just kind of talked about, ace type of stuff. I mean, you throw this guy on any, about probably 20 other staffs in Major League Baseball, and he's their number one guy. Problem is he's on the Dodgers, so he wasn't. But the Dodgers are going to lose a lot with this guy because he also went into the bullpen and he did the exact same thing out of the bullpen, and he really didn't seem to mind. He just seemed like, just put me on the mound whenever you want me on the mound. Let me throw as many baseballs as you let me throw, and I'm happy with that. So that's a big loss to the Dodgers, and their depth is really being tested. Tony Gonson's out for another four weeks, and David Price is out for at least another two, if I'm not mistaken. So that pitch, that starting pitching depth is really, really, really going thin. And their number one prospect, Josiah Gray, they said they're not bringing him up anytime soon, that he's not ready for it. Um, he got no time last year, so he didn't get any extra seasoning last year. And the minor league started a month late this year, so it's really going to be tough for them. The only advantage for the Dodgers right now is in the month of May, I believe they only have one week where they have seven games. Every other week, they have at least one day off, if not two. And if I'm not mistaken, their schedule this month coming up is pretty soft. I think they've got the Rockies a few times, and they've got a couple other teams that aren't really doing so hot. What I'm excited to see from the Dodgers' standpoint is, are they going to let Trevor Bauer go on three days rest like he wants to? And if they do, oh boy, am I excited. Because this is what Trevor Bauer wanted. This is the absolute perfect storm for this to happen. And I can't wait to see if Trevor Bauer gets his shot. It looks like it's going to happen this week. They pulled him up for the doubleheader game earlier in the week. So that he might be able to go Saturday on three days rest. If they let him do that and he does well, we could see a bunch of three days rest. So he might be the number four starter in the rotation each time which is going to give your guys like Bueller, Kershaw, and everybody else in the rotation, and Urias an extra day off where he pitches as every fourth day instead of every fifth day. So that could be exciting. But this, this is a legit hit to the Dodgers, and I don't want to see it happen because my big thing last year with a 60-game season, and you know the Dodgers were the best team in baseball from the start. They were the best team in the baseball the whole way through, through the playoffs, every bit of it. They were the best team but it was only a 60-game season. It was a sprint, not a marathon, and that's what baseball is all about, the marathon. So if the Dodgers don't win the World Series this year, I'm not saying they weren't world champs last year, but it does lessen it, and they, they were the world champs. They didn't lose anything. They only got better with Trevor Bauer, and the only team in baseball that can really say they got much better than the Dodgers got compared to last year were the Padres, and I hate the fact that injuries could actually come in the way of that, but if the Dodgers don't go far in the playoffs, injuries or not, Man, that's it. It really lowers their title from last year, in my opinion. But I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it's not that bad for them. Uh, I really hope Dustin May comes back and healthy, and better than ever. But the Dodgers take a big hit with this one, in my opinion. It, it's hard, man. Because like we mention it all the time, and there's no real rhyme or reason for it. It happens for a whole bunch of reasons, but it's really hard to repeat. You know, injuries are definitely a part of it. Um, you know, motivation. You could argue might be part of it. You know, sometimes teams do just kind of get hot at the right moment. Not saying that's the Dodgers. That's not what happened to the Dodgers last year, but, you know, it's, it's it's hard to repeat is pretty much what the point is. It hasn't happened since the Yankees did it in, in you know, the early two, not even the late 90s, you know, 2000. So, you know, Rob, I'll kick it to you, man, and, and I'm going to ask you a different question. You know, right now the Dodgers are kind of struggling, right? The Dustin Main News definitely doesn't help. Our our uh, kind of founder here, CJ, has kind of been mentioning how they've struggled so much at the plate. And granted, what I say every episode, at least for another two weeks, is we're still in the first month. It hasn't been a month and a half yet, so you can't really gauge everything. But 
look, what do you see happening to the Dodgers right now? And is this something that you see is going to be a trend? Or do you see them kind of just blowing past the Cougars? No, I, I think, you know, I think what we've seen from the Dodgers recently is we, we've seen a period of baseball from them. Just, just about like every other team has had this season where they've kind of gone through their struggles. I think that's what's made this this season um, so interesting, at least for me. I think this has honestly been probably the most uh, I don't I don't know if this is the right word, but slumpy season I would say that I've probably seen in like the last ten seasons, where I don't think there's been any team that has created any like significant significant separation in any of the standings. I think every team is kind of is kind of there. Every team has kind of gone through through their rough patch. We're we're seeing superstars. Not just, you know, one superstar. We're, we're seeing four or five, six guys, you know, starting off the year really badly um, and things like that. I, I think it's all an adjustment period from the 60-game season, you know, and I think it's what we're going to be seeing from the Dodgers as well. I think, if anything, the Dustin May injury for them is is just a situation where it, it kind of sucks for the fans, right? He's one of those guys with Julio Urias, their young guys, and Walker Buehler as well, where that's, that's kind of like your trio of young guys amongst you know, a Clayton Kershaw and a Trevor Bauer who are already more veteran level guys. Um, that, that's your trio of guys and, and you want to see them healthy. And unfortunately, the Dodgers have still not been able to get that. Like, like you have not been able to, to get a full healthy season from Bueller, May and Urias all at the same time. They've all been injured in, at different periods throughout their career so far. And, and this is just an unfortunate situation from Dustin May, because like Nick pointed out, for me, Dustin May in the last in the last uh, couple seasons, He's been kind of like that guy, you know, he, he's been one of the most talked about prospects for the Dodgers. But to me, every time I see him pitch, even though he has like really great stuff, to me, he always just seems more like a thrower, right? Like he can overpower guys. He can blast past them with his fastball. But for me, he always struggles in in, in key situations. Like for me, it, it's kind of like there's still a bit of a lack there in terms of knowing how to actually pitch. And I think we were seeing him make improvements towards that this season so which it's unfortunate that he has to go down this way um for the Dodgers I think you know it's going to be interesting for them because we we've talked about the Dodgers death a lot and we can talk about a guy like a like a Josiah Gray right like he might get called up but we also have to have an honest conversation here this isn't like the last let's say like two or three seasons right where it's been that conversation of the Dodgers are perennial World Series contenders, and they also have like one of the top farms in baseball. Because the, I don't know if people have been noticing, but I mean the Dod those prospects are have already you know moved. Like as those guys come up and stuff, it's not like the Dodgers have really been out here like like uh you know bringing in additional high level pieces to their farm system. It, it, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but if you look at a lot of the other farm systems around the league right now. I would say San Diego's probably right there with them and probably even better. And the Dodgers farm right now is probably closer to top 15 than it is to like top five. So it's definitely taken a hit. I think an injury like a guy like Dustin May might, you know, require a guy like Josiah Gray to potentially come up down the line or unless they try to fill that that spot with a, with a veteran presence like a David Price in the time being, who knows? But I think, you know, for, for them, it, it's, it really sucks, man. It sucks. It's going to be another year where you don't really know what you have in Dustin May. And, and we say another year, but we're probably talking more, right? Like we're, we're he's probably going to be back, what, maybe like a, a, a few months into next year. So he's probably going to miss some time next year as well. And, you know, it's, it, it's just a situation where you still, you're still not going to really know 
what you have with him. Even though he has this great potential, you're still not going to know what you really have with him. It's unfortunate for the Dodgers. I don't think it ruins their chances per se, you know, at a playoff shot or anything like that. But every time you have a young guy like that and, and you know, it, you kind of want him to take that next step and, and really show us what he's about, it definitely sucks when you're, when you're going to be missing him for the entire season like that. It does suck, man. Look, and Dustin May, he, you know, we talked a little bit about his arm struggles early on. He's come a long way in, in changing his mechanics and, you know, becoming a little bit healthier in, in the way he delivers the baseball. You know, it, it sucks to see because Dustin May is an exciting player. You mentioned the, the three the three players of, of Bueller, May, and, and Urias. Think about it. If those three guys are in any other system, that system is saying, you can't wait for these three guys to be the future of our rotation. Granted, if you're the Dodgers, you, you also now have, you know, uh, Kershaw, Price, which I know isn't really in the rotation right now, and and Bauer. So, you know, it, it kind of sucks to see because they, they do have a lot of potential, man. And talking about potential, this next one hurts. This one, this, this next one hurts my heart. Oof. Like, oh, Oof, yeah, oh this, Rob, this already, one's personal. You already know what's, you already know what's coming, man. Look, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So look. Uh, Luis Robert, he's going to be out for a, for a while. Um, he, he kind of had one of the worst injuries you can have as an athlete, not just a baseball player. But, he, yeah, he, he's going to be out for, for about, I'm going to say probably half a year. I, I don't expect to see him back till at least August, personally. Or 12 September. to 16 weeks before he can even start baseball activities. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be a rough one, man. So, Rob, I'll start with you, though, man. You know, obviously the White Sox are a team that we expect to be in the playoffs this year, right? They, they've had... You know, they brought in Leon Hendricks. They have guys that, you know, Jose Abreu won the MVP last year. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, who was injured before the year started also, he's also down, but he's a big piece of that, right? Tim Anderson, we're waiting for his shortstop. I'm the best shortstop in the world kind of season. So, yeah, I'll start off with you, though, man. Lewis Robert, make me cry. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a tough one, man. It, it's a tough one for the White Sox. I think, you know, I, I made a post earlier this week where, I think I think the focus with the White Sox throughout the offseason was always, you know, I was always looking at them as that team where you have to focus on the on paper aspect. On paper, the White Sox were probably were probably right there, like like either one or one A as just, you know, like I talk about the Yankees. The Yankees got off to a rough start, but on paper, they're probably the most talented team in the American League. I thought the White Sox were right there with them. They took they took care of so many areas, right? When you when you put a Liam Hendricks at the back end of your bullpen. You bring in a, a Dallas Keuchel. You bring in a Lance Lynn to pair with Lucas Giolito, who, who let's be real, Lucas Giolito is 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 probably surpassing even what his hype was when he was with the Nationals. Um, I mean, the White Sox are are definitely getting you know yeah like top ten level pitcher stuff from from Lucas Giolito, so that's great for him. But then you look all around their 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 lineup, and every spot is filled up with just such great talent. Brandao, Abreu, you know, Moncada, Tim Anderson. You had Aloy who went down in the outfield and now Luis Robert who went down in the outfield. Look, man, I mean, plain and simple, missing Aloy and missing Luis Robert from that lineup. I know I know, there are two guys who who are still right now at this moment kind of kind of uh, uh, hype, right? Like, because we still haven't seen like full, se- full, full seasons from them. Um, but it, this one hurts for the White Sox. I, I think, you know, especially especially in a division like like we talked about last week, like the AL Central, where a team like the Royals could just go on some crazy run, right? Like this helps teams like that. Like it makes it easier for a Minnesota 
or a Cleveland or a Kansas City to stay in the race because the Chicago White Sox are missing two of their key pieces. I mean, it, it definitely hurts. It makes the the acquisition of a of an Adam Eaton even that more important. You know, at least you know he can take over a, a spot for you. And you have, you know, I know they've been playing the rookie Andrew Vaughn as well. But man, I I don't know for the White Sox, it, it definitely sucks for them. I think you know I. It, if I'm going to be right, I think their chances of, of of making a real, real postseason run this year have probably taken a significant hit because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Aloy's out for the entire season. Um, and, and yeah, we're probably not going to see Robert for a while. So um, can the White Sox still make the playoffs? I mean, sure, they have enough talent on that team still, but it, it, you definitely don't want to be missing guys of, of that level of talent. So this one definitely hurts for them. You know, with the injuries to Eloy and Rob, there has been some bright spots, right? The the Urminator up here putting giving us a, a great show. <laughs> oh yeah, you know right, I mean? right, yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention him. He he's been look his his season has been a great has been a great pickup for for Chicago because let, I mean he was not in Chicago's plan coming coming into this year. He was not in anybody's plan coming to this year. Not like yeah, <laughs> right. Other people you want to look at though. Right, like my man got a gold card out here on MLB the show. You feel me? Yo, like yeah. my like my man ha- my man has a gold card. Like hey yo, <laughs> look, man, the, the rotation does look better. Look, Michael Kopech has has proven to be be all right. You know he's not exactly where people projected him yet, right? But he's getting there. Right? He's coming off a couple of years of injuries. Dylan Sees has pitched really well for them. And he's a guy that they have pretty much. He, look, he has like a minus type talent where you don't really expect him to be an ace, but he has you know close to that stuff. You know, offensively, they're gonna need guys to come through, right? Uh, you, know, you mentioned the Urminator, Andrew Vaughn. Now a lot more has to be expected out of him because he's gonna be playing every day. Um, Jimenez is probably gonna come back sometime in July, if not August. So they gotta hold the fort down for a while. I know there's been kind of some talks about Tony Larusa. Uh, messing things up there. Yo, so Nick, I'll kick it over to you, man. Uh, this injury obviously sucks for them, right? You take away a great, a, a really good defensive outfielder, and you also take away a bat in the lineup. He was hitting over 300 this year. He was getting on base at a higher clip than he was at any point last year. But, yo, what do you think the White Sox are going to do here? And, you know, what's your outlook for them the rest of the season? To Rob's point, I think they're going to struggle to get in the playoffs. I really do. Uh, it's not that the talent isn't there. It's just – the, their minor league system isn't stacked, especially with outfielders. Like, Andrew Vaughn was already in their plans this year to come up and play some games. And now he's going to have to be an everyday guy. And he's shown that he can be very streaky. And when his streaks are high, they're pretty good. But when they're low, they're really low. I mean, really, really low. So that's tough because they don't really have a replacement, not only just for Eloy, but now for Lubob as well. Like, they've got two top guys that they don't have, and that's hard to replace. And with what Adam Eaton's doing and the amount of playing time that he can do and what he can give you out there, that's awesome. But that's not a World Series contending outfield guy if that's your everyday guy. He's not the same guy he was over in Washington when they won. So it's it's a big hit in my opinion, um, especially with the way that AL Central can just kind of you know glob up together and just beat each other up. They're going to start playing back down to the competition and – it's a weak division, so they're they're lucky in that aspect that a lot of their games are going to come against lower talent. But it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. They're really going to have to rely on their pitching. And Lucas Giolito has kind of slipped away from that ace status this year. He's not the top guy anymore. And that's really scary because Michael Kopech, honestly, is just – he's real close to having another Tommy John. He throws just way too hard. And 
he likes to show off. I mean, that, that when he did the, what I believe the crow hop to throw 109 on the radar gun, there's no reason to do that, especially as a rookie or a guy that hasn't even hit the majors yet to just do that, to show off your arm strength. Like that's impressive, but what does that really give you? So I don't think his brains are all the way there to your point. Dylan Cease is kind of showing some stuff right now, but is he that guy for the long term? So you're relying on Dallas Keuchel to be a top guy now. That's, that's a scary thought. And their pitching is doing really well right now, but it is it kind of like the chicken and the egg argument? Is their pitching doing really well, or are they playing just really shitty talent? And because they're playing really, really crappy talent, they're pitching well. So the offense is going to have to carry them in a few games, and I don't know if they have the offense to do that for 162, losing two really good outfielders, really good offensive outfielders. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And not to mention the fact that he's a great defensive center fielder. He's no Kevin Kiermeyer. But he's a really good defensive center fielder, and that's a big hit as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, they're talented. They've got good pitching. They've got great infield. I just don't know if this injury is going to be too much for them to overcome because when you've got two high-quality young guys that you've really been looking to come and play when they come and play with Eloy and Lubob, when they come up and they play well, this team gets up for that. This could be a big moral hit. you know for them as well, which is kind of just lower, lowers the team a lot in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, look, you come in with so many expectations, then half of your lineup, not half your lineup, but a lot of your lineup isn't there. Two key pieces who are young guys who you expect big things from, you know, they're going to be missing for more than half a year. That that does take a, a moral hit on you. But, you know, look, let's move on to some fun stuff because it's, you know, we're one month in now, right? We're done with April. We're now in May. So, so we're, we're a month in. And there have been some some pretty impressive performances so far. And we're going to get into those right now. We're going to talk about our players of the month. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off just because it's a little bit surprising. And, and, you know, I think most people would pretty much guess who I want to say. But I'm going to change it up a little bit. My player of the month for April is Alex Reyes out of the Cardinals. And look, if you don't know what that guy's doing right now, he's been absolutely sick. He has, he's yet to give up a run this year. You know, he has 14 appearances out of the bullpen, 14 innings pitched. He's got eight saves for the Cardinals right now. And the reason why I'm, I love him, one, he's from New Jersey. He's, he's someone that I've followed just because I know where he's from. He, he's someone that grew up pretty close to where I am. And, you know, in the Cardinals organization, he's had injury-riddled seasons where we saw this kid in the World Series when he was like 18 years old, just dominating hitters. Then he's been hurt ever since, right? Is he going to starter? Is he going to be in the bullpen? We don't know. But, you know, right now he's in the bullpen. He's, he's pretty much working as a closer right now. He's taking over that role for, for Jordan Hicks and Andrew Miller. And he's been great. He's been lights out. So I am super excited to see what he does this year. You know, granted, we're in April. It could go all to shit in a month. But for right now, he's been, he's been extremely impressive. And I, and I love what I'm seeing out of him. Because the talent's always been there. He's just always been injured, yo. Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. Who do you have for Player of the Month of April for you? Yeah, so, you know, kind of like similar, kind of how similar how you did. Um, I think that, that uh, you know, there were the, the guys that won the awards, like your DeGrom and, and your Acuna Juniors and things like that. Um, but one guy that I, that I was looking at that didn't get named, um, I think Corbin Burns, man. I think Corbin Burns, you know, the, the, the month that Corbin Burns put together um, – I think if you dive into his numbers, he's probably been a top three, top five pitcher in the league so far. 
I mean, his he he's been putting up the Grom level numbers out there in, in Milwaukee, um, outside of of you know a, a difference in, in in ERA. So, uh, in in terms of the pitchers, I think I think you know I'm I I know I know per- personally that the Grom stands as the number one overall pitcher in baseball. I'm just giving some shine to to my man Corbin Burns because I think he has definitely risen as a as a very comfortable partner to a to a Woodruff out there as a, as a one, two punch for, for Milwaukee. And then, you know, in, in terms of hitters, um, I, I'm just going to give it to Acuna Jr. Acuna Jr. Um, put together a, a top level month and, and definitely it, it's the kind of month that I honestly want to see from Acuna Jr. Because I think that honestly, if, if you're looking at that, every time we have that conversation of, of a Mike Trout or a Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Tatis Jr., every time that conversation comes up, for some reason, my my brain always just automatically shifts to putting Ronald Acuna near the bottom of that conversation, um, and I'm glad that he's putting up the numbers that that we all you know know that that he's that type of player. I mean, Ronald Acuna is a 40-40 season you know kind of player, and and for him to put up those numbers at the beginning of the season that he has, I think it's great for him. I think it's going to be a whole lot great for the Braves and, and all of baseball if he can you know keep up those numbers for the remainder of the year. So. Yeah, those would be the two guys for me, Corbin Burns and and Ronald Cunha Jr. If they keep up these these level numbers, I mean, we're probably very easily looking at NL Cy Young and MVP right here. Dude, like I love Cunha Jr. I love what he's doing. I hope he keeps it up. Look, if he can have that discipline, he's like the sky's the limit for the dude. Yo, Nick, I'll kick it over to you. Who do you have as your players of the month? For my players of the month for MLB hitter wise, it was really close between Acuna Jr. and the guy that I'm picking. Acuna Jr. is more dominant in the National League than the guy that I picked. He is top three in basically every single category except for stolen bases. And he's ninth in stolen bases. But he's number two in batting average, number three in on-base percentage, number one in slugging, number one in OPS, number one in WRC+, number one in home runs, number one in runs, number seven in RBIs. So he's killing it. But the guy I'm going with, man, the guy that we got so hyphy about last week, Mike Trout. Are you kidding me? 407 batting average, 514 on base percentage, number one and number one in the AL. And by the way, there's three guys in the AL that are better than Acuna Jr. in both those categories, and he's number one. Number two in slugging in the AL with 779. Number one in OPS in all of MLB with a 1.293. Number one in OPS plus, or sorry, OPS plus, or WRC plus with 255. The dude is just mashing everything. His counting stats aren't quite as good, only because he's got so many walks this year. It's absolutely insane. Uh, Trout is dominating the league in a way that we haven't seen, and I'm super excited about it because we've seen Trout be the best player in baseball for a very long time, and he's starting off better than he ever has. And every single year, there's always a guy that we talk about hitting 400, and he's already 400 this part of the year. Trout might be the guy to do it. And the reason I say that is he typically gets better as the year goes on. His batting average typically gets better in the summertime. And I'm not saying he's going to get better than 407. But if he keeps hitting like this, guys are going to start walking him. And his plate discipline this year is at a whole nother level than it's ever been. So he's going to lay off the balls and he's only going to be swinging at strikes. So the chances for him to 407 are pretty good because his plate selection and his plate discipline is only getting better and it was pretty good before so trout is just on a whole nother planet than he's ever been on he's clearly the best player in baseball in the last you know five years and this year so far 
for a pitcher. I'm glad that you guys gave some shine to some other people, but it is absolutely Jacob DeGrom. That might be his agent calling me right now because I've been on the Jacob DeGrom fan club and driving the train this whole year. Number one in, um, sorry, number one in whip with a .57. Number one in batting average against with a 1.34 or a .134. Number one in strikeout versus walk ratio, 44.7. He's almost striking out half the guys he faces, which is absolutely insane. Batting average against is .51. It's just nuts. He's doing everything you could imagine. 59 strikeouts and only four walks this year. He's just, he's absolutely the best pitcher in the game right now, and it's really not close. So, Jacob DeGrom is my pitcher of the, of the month so far for MLB. There you go, man. And I give you guys, I didn't give you guys a hitter, so I'll give you my guy. It's going to be Xander Bogarts out of the Red Sox. He's been dominant at the shortstop position, man. Like, his, his stats compared to every other shortstop are insane. He pretty much leads in every major category, which, which you kind of love to see. What else do you want out of your shortstop, especially in the shift age, right? Defense matters a little bit less than it did before. Xander Bogarts, absolutely killing it. You know, so far this season, six home runs. He's batting at 351 clip. He leads he leads shortstops in, I believe, RBIs, OPS, batting average, hits, and I also think home runs. So Xander Bogarts, man, what a season so far. We, we all know how good he is. Yo, before we leave here though, we, we gotta have one quick conversation about the great Bambino. So before the show started, Nick Nick kind of got on us. He said, yo, I hate all these people who are saying Babe Ruth would be a, a pretty much a normie in today's game. And, we, you know, we both kind of have different takes on it. You know, I don't I don't think Bambino would be trash in today's game. But I do not think he'd be an elite player. So, Nick, I will let you start it off since this is a topic that you want to talk about. Yo, this is crazy to think that Babe Ruth would not be the absolute best player in the game right now. I mean, every the, the start of all of this came from Otani doing his hitting and pitching thing and all the stats that come out there. This hasn't happened for 100 years since Babe Ruth, blah, blah, blah. Okay, those stats are cool, but let's be honest. Shea Otani is the only person who's had the opportunity to do it since Babe Ruth, so there's that. If there were other people who got a legit chance to do this, we would have seen some of the stuff that Otani's doing. Maybe not at Otani's level, to be fair, but we would have seen guys that – our leading league in home runs and starting, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I saw somebody post somewhere in another group, uh, not SSAW, that Mike Trout, they would love to see what Mike Trout would do off of the pitching that Babe Ruth faced. Uh, yeah, me too, because I think Mike Trout would hit maybe, okay, he might hit, you know, 320, 300, you know, 310. He might have a good batting average, but he's not dropping 40 bombs. He's not dropping 50 bombs. He's not dropping 60 bombs. Babe Ruth had more home runs than the rest of the league combined, including his teammates when he played. Now, granted, he's not going to do that in today's game because we're talking 400 home runs. But if you put Babe Ruth in today's game with the ball that they have today instead of the wet sock they used back then that they literally used for three games at a time, now they have a new ball every two pitches. If the ball even looks at the dirt wrong, it's getting thrown out. The ball is made differently. It's tighter. It's smaller seams. There's just so many differences just in the ball. Uh, Babe Ruth played on fields that didn't have fences. So, and some of the fences he played on were 490 feet. Mike Trout has never seen a fence that's 490 feet. Mike Trout has never even seen a fence that's over 435, if I'm not mistaken. Babe Ruth, if you give him a field that has 330 down the line, 370 to the gap, and 395 to center, his home run total is going to be probably 80, 85, 90 home runs in a year, even back then. 
Uh, every player that you talk to in Major League Baseball, and Daniel, you used to hit. Uh, Rob used to hit. Did you prefer to hit at night or during the day? What did you prefer, Daniel? Nighttime, 100%. So Babe Ruth didn't get to play at night. So you're now you're giving a guy a nighttime advantage. Uh, back then, they didn't have hitter's eyes like they have now. They didn't have bat technology like they have now. You didn't get to customize a bat. You got to go chop down a tree, whittle it down, and use that thing. Um, back then, granted, they didn't travel like they do now. Uh, they'd use, what, stagecoaches, I believe. Maybe, maybe they had some wind-up cars. Give him the advantages of today. Put him in today's game. He's not going to take advantage of the nutritional aspect. I guarantee you that. But the sports medicine, give him the recovery techniques they have now. Give him the off-season training that he probably would take advantage of because he liked the attention. He liked the notoriety. So he probably would be in the gym just because it would give him a little more attention. If you give Babe Ruth all the advantages of today, the dude is probably going to put up, on average, 100 home runs a year. Back then, guys were throwing 75, 80 miles an hour. It's not that easy to hit a home run off of that. Today, you got Tyler Glasnow throwing 100. You got Jacob DeGrom throwing 100. You got Aralis Chapman still throwing 105. The pitchers are supplying the power. Back then, Babe Ruth had to supply the power. He wasn't getting a fastball that's going to go out if you barely tap it like guys have today. There are so many things that people do not understand about how difficult the game was back then compared to today. You give him all of those advantages and Babe Ruth, he's going to hit 400 and he's going to have 100 home runs. He's going to have 200 RBIs. He's going to have 150 runs scored. And I don't even think it's really that questionable because he could just flat out hit. Yes, a 75 mile an hour fastball, you have more time to adjust to. I will give you that. But you're either an elite hitter or you're not. And every hitter you talk to, if a fastball is straight enough, no matter how fast it is, you're going to be able to hit it and hit it out. That's what all good hitters say. Babe Ruth is one of the best hitters of all time. He is far superior to Mike Trout. You put Mike Trout in that game where you can only play during the day. You don't have a bat that custom made for you. You have a ball that is basically a wet sock, like I said earlier. You don't have fences or you have fences that are over 450 feet away. There's so many things that are at a disadvantage of a hitter back then that Babe Ruth was superior to. Man, you put him in today's game, there's no way he doesn't dominate. He is going to be absolutely the best hitter in the game, and it's not close. And Mike Trout, put him back in those days, he's going to be league average, I have a feeling. Man, look, and here's, here's a point where, we, where I disagree very, very highly. Look, Babe Ruth was the best baseball player of the time, but he was also only one of maybe the handful legitimate professional baseball players in his time, where I mean guys literally where their job was training to play baseball. But that's because of how good he was. He got the advantage <laughs> to do it because of how good he was. Yeah, but still, yo, look, basically imagine your father coming home from his day working as a dairyman and then going to play baseball. That's essentially what, what, what was happening, right? These guys had other jobs. This wasn't like their career. This was like fun for them. Yeah, they played play their season these guys that wasn't their that wasn't their career you know yeah it was probably some of the more athletic gentlemen in their generation but these guys weren't training to be baseball players the only per, one of the only people who had that kind of you know ability to really just say hey look i'm getting paid to do this people love watching me so i'm and i'm getting paid this much to do it all i have to do is train and granted obviously he didn't take that training too seriously the point is you're not playing against other professionals. You know what I mean? You're playing against other, you know, 
random guys. Look, when you look at Babe Ruth and you compare him to that time, Babe Ruth looks gargantuan. He looks like this huge monster compared to his peers. Babe Ruth was only six foot two, just six foot two. If you look at the average of baseball players today, just based on size, on size alone, Babe Ruth probably sits around around average. Think about like A Rod. A Rod was six three. Griffey was around. I don't know how to call Griffey. I want to say he was like six two as well. But the point is, he wouldn't be the biggest dog in the, you know in the fucking yard, right? Like now today we have we have athletes, man. Tyler Glass now is coming at you at six six, all arm and legs. You know what I mean, Randy Johnson. Look how that big that big like monster was coming at you, right? The next part you mentioned was the velocity. Look, yes, it's hard to hit. 75 mile per hour pitches out, but it was also a different game where you don't have the level. 75 mile an hour wet socks. Wet oh, sure. socks. Let's be real about the ball. 100%. 100%. But let's be real about some other parts of it too. Babe Ruth was out there swinging a club where it was a different game. That, you know, he would look. I don't know if there's a baseball player today that swings a 38 ounce bat. I, I highly doubt it. You know what I mean? Especially with. No, there's not. Yeah, exactly. Look, especially with that emphasis on, on bat speed right now. Look, Barry Bonds, who I believe is the greatest player of all time, historically used a smaller bat for that reason, right? He was trying to keep his, his swing short. He was trying to get right to the ball. You know, no, he, he did not. Like, he used a 34-34. He used one of the biggest bats in the league, but he choked up for the leverage. That's the well, thing. There you go. He's a, it came, it came he down used to a big bat. <laughs> Regardless, it's not a 38-ounce bat is what, is what I'm trying to get to here. Look. If you, if you look at just the way that we look at baseball now, how specialized it is, look, there's no doubt in my mind that if Babe Ruth wanted to, he could definitely work at it and be one of the better players in the game. But to say that he put up those ridiculous numbers, to me, is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, we we are in a different era. We have so much science behind the game designed to get guys like Babe Ruth out, right? You know, it, to me, it's not like – I don't see a guy that was as great as Babe Ruth and say, hey, look, he's going to be great in every era just because things change. The way our physiology changed, you know, since that time is, has been different. You know what I mean? Guys are so much specialized today than they were before, right? It's not no longer just a straight fastball or, or a straight, you know, sock coming at you. You have movements in ways that the ball didn't move back in those days. You know, and not that they didn't try to do breaking balls and this other stuff, right? They tried to get outs. That was, that was their point. But, you know, you're also facing a guy who also pitched a lot more than they do today. You know, you're starting pitcher at that at in that era, pitch probably three to four times a week. You know, today you're lucky if you see Tyler Glass now more than more than once a you know once a week. Garrett Cole more than once a week. You know, at most are pitching twice a week, and that's you know that's kind of pushing it to, for some guys. Plus, now you have you know you don't have one guy that does this. You have a group of guys. You know, we, like just think about like the Dodgers rotation we were talking about before. That's a team that all those guys are elite arms that are just guys with velocity, guys with movement, you probably faced one of those guys per series, per team, maybe, you know, during your career. You know, I think back, back in those days, hitting was definitely the emphasis. You didn't, you didn't have guys saying, hey, I'm out here trying to be the best pitcher ever. You know what I mean? So Babe Ruth was a, a, a man amongst boys, but he also had the best opportunity to do that. You know, if you were to put him in today's game, you would basically say, hey, look, Babe Ruth, you're the only person allowed to work out. Everyone else has to pretty much work a second job and stuff like that in order for, for it to even come close. So, look, the, the opportunity, look, and, and just another point, right? Like, we know that Babe Ruth played in the segregated era, era. 
You know, it's one of those things where he wasn't playing the best players in the world. You know, for God's sake, he's probably barely playing the best players in America. You know what I mean? It, it was one of those things where the competition was just so much different, right? And look, I'm not saying Babe Ruth would be a scrub. I, I don't, I don't think that whatsoever. But to say that he would so far and above be better than everybody else, I think that part's ridiculous. I think we have seen better. Look, and I didn't see Babe Ruth play. I don't think, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think you saw Babe Ruth play either. I know we make a lot of old jokes. Not live, no, no. <laughs> but you know, the the point is like. It was it was a different time. I mean, based on video, is pretty much all we have. It, but from what we have, the data and the research from that time, it was a different ball game in, in many aspects. So, it, you know, look, if, if Babe Ruth was treated the same way he was then and he was now, then yeah, he has he has the possibility of putting those things up, right? But if we're gonna put everybody on the equal playing field and say, hey, look, Babe Ruth, you have to train like the rest of these athletes they train. I don't think we'd be having the same conversation as far as him being just the best player. In, you know, by far, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. But so I love when people bring up the race part of it because yes, it was segregated. And yes, there were definitely amazing athletes that he did not get to face. But I will throw it to you this way. How many black pitchers do you think of that are all time greats since they've been in baseball? Satchel Paige, Bob Gibson. Can you name any others? Well, look, it's not just about the pitchers, though. It's no, also- it, but it is. It is because I get it. We're talking about some better athletes that didn't get to play 100%. But since they've been in the league, and even in the Negro Leagues, let's be honest, how many are all-time rates? They're not. Are we saying that the DR didn't exist? Are we saying Cuba didn't exist during this time? Because those were other players okay. that didn't get to play in the major leagues. So add, add, the inter- add all of international. How many all-time great pitchers are Dominican or black or Cuban or Asian? or in- I, Again, this isn't a – I love the race comment because go back and look at all-time great pitchers, just pitchers. Because when you talk about players, again, other hitters, absolutely. We missed out on some people and some players that would have been historic. But when we talk about pitchers, You've got Pedro Martinez, you've got Bob Gibson, you've got Satchel Paige, you've got Rube Waddell. If you can name any others, I'm all ears. But that's about the list that most people are going to throw out there. Give me some other ones that you can think of. Johan Santana. Babe Ruth is not hitting Johan Santana. Let's just put that out there. Yes, yes he is. He I, absolutely I is. Because to your point of him being the only one to train, I, you made that point years ago when we first started interacting, and that's the best point to come up with, is that he got the opportunity to absolutely trained for baseball and only trained for baseball where other guys didn't. So he got the ability to do that, but he didn't do that. He pretty much did it as a secondary, just like everybody else. The thing is with the way yeah, technology he, is now, go ahead. No, sorry, I'll say like, think about the time we were then, right? The people that were playing baseball were in the workforce in a different way. They would say they weren't your tax accountants. They were your guys working out in the farms. They were your guys working in your, in your factories. Those, they were coming from those places to go play baseball, which not for those are, those are some pretty physically demanding jobs, you know what I mean? So, look, Babe Ruth, would he have worked out? Wouldn't he have worked out? You know, whatever. There's, I know there's those videos with him doing that butt machine thing with that weird, like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like on a, on a string that just yeah. shakes your butt. It's, you got to watch the video. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. No, I, I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but, yeah. like it's supposed like, to shake the fat after you. It doesn't yeah, work. <laughs> yeah, I, I need that. I'm looking for that machine myself. But the point is, though, look, like, it, it was different. It, it was a different time period. You know, at that point, the 
the priorities of, of adult men, I would say, were a lot different than what they are today. I mean, especially growing up where, you know, yeah, they played baseball and it was fun, but that was pocket change for them, right, compared to what they were really working at in, in the factories and, and in the farms and doing stuff like that. You didn't have a lot of people that were able to say, hey, look, I'm just going to come out here and, and you know, work on my craft. A lot of these guys were, you know, they're probably the closest thing to athletes they were because they worked with their bodies, but you know, we look at the one thing that's different from baseball than everything else is that baseball is a skill sport where you need repetition. You can't just go out there and out athlete everybody. Babe Ruth had the best opportunity for that repetition than anybody else. Even if it wasn't just working out, even if it was just taking swings in the cage, that, that's that's an opportunity that he had above some of the other guys just just to work on. You know what I mean? Yes, and that, that is the most difficult argument for me to try to overcome about him being the greatest of all time and him dominating today's game. But to like even with the guys that are able to do that literally from the age of eight years old now, my thing is if you put the technology of today into Babe Ruth's hands, he loves the shine and the attention so much, he would absolutely do that. The extra workouts, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to give that to him. I will absolutely take that away from him. But if you can give him a bat that's custom made, if you can give him the video to watch guys to see what they're going to do, because let's be honest, the best hitters in the game watch so much tape, it's almost like they've seen the guy enough times to compensate for how often Babe Ruth got to see a guy. And when you see a guy five times, or let's just say the same guy would pitch three games in a week against him, and you see that guy 20 times in a week, yes, it may get easier once you've seen him 20 times, but at the same time, his stuff changes because he's throwing – I mean, the guys back then threw 20 innings in a week. So their stuff changes. It's not the same speed. It's not the same movement. So it almost is like a different pitcher. Let's be honest. If you got any pitcher today throwing 20 innings, they're going to be different from the first inning to the 20th inning. And it's going to be a different pitcher. Getting the guys out of the bullpen that all throw 95 to 100 with a little bit different movement, it's kind of like seeing the same guy. I'm not saying it's not, but it kind of is. But Give Babe Ruth the bat technology today. Give him the lights. Give him the hitter's eyes. Give him the fences, like actual fences. Give him the cookie-cutter ballparks. Give him the ballparks that are made for hitters. Give him all of these rules for the offense where you, you couldn't be able to throw a Babe Ruth like you could back then. Babe Ruth could do whatever he wanted to at the plate because you can't throw inside anymore. The guy would have so many advantages that he didn't have back then. The advantage that he had back then was other players were coming from working a 9-to-5 job to playing baseball. They weren't training and doing the repetitions like you talked about. Yes, that was the advantage for Babe Ruth back then. The advantage now is, even though the guys are all specialized and that's all they get to do, he's even more specialized because he gets all of the technology advantage. He gets all the nutritional advantage. He gets all the recovery advantages. He gets all the travel advantages. He gets all the field advantages. There's so many more advantages that he would get now. There's no way with the talent that he had that you can tell me he wouldn't dominate. Maybe he wouldn't hit 100 home runs in a season but he would absolutely be the best hitter in baseball right now. And if you put a guy like Mike Trout back in that game, he's not going to be a top-of-the-game type of hitter because he's not going to know what to do with a 75-mile-an-hour fastball, even if he's seen it for the 70th time from the same pitcher in a week. He's not going to know what to do with it. Bro, I don't know. Mike, Mike Trout does pretty well against, against guys he hasn't seen. But, yo, anyway, look, we kind of got to get out of here, but I want to make sure that Rob gets his opinion in because, Rob, you obviously have, have a side here and, and you have your own thoughts about it, man. So what do you think about this conversation? No, nah, yeah, like like I said plenty of times before, I, I'm always like kind of that person who always ends up in, in kind of the middle. I, I agree with a lot of both of your guys' points. I think we this is a conversation that we've had before, you know, and, and 
the race card is always going to come up in this in this kind of conversation. But you know, I, I agree with Nick in, in the sense of 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 that argument where I don't think uh, I don't you know I, I see it both ways, right? Not you you can't tell me that every every uh, white pitcher or every black pitcher or every Hispanic pitcher or anything like that was high level. Um, even if so, if we're going to say, you know, one group wasn't allowed to play, that's understandable. So, I mean, Babe Ruth definitely missed out on, on facing, you know, top level guys, but he didn't make, he didn't miss out on fate on facing like a hundred top level guys, you know? So I, I understand that sense of the, of the argument as well. I think I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how to answer the question of Babe Ruth would, of how Babe Ruth would do it in today's game of baseball. But what I would probably say is. I think that Babe Ruth was so separated from so many of the players in his time that I think, you know, I think the fact that we're talking about Babe Ruth right now anyway should be enough, you know, enough credit to him to, you know, the fact that I think if we were to talk about anyone, you know, from back then and, and have the conversation of can they do it now, there's a reason why we're sitting here talking about Babe Ruth because he was the the essentially the one hitter. Who, who revolutionized the game of baseball, separated himself from everyone else who, who played with him in, in that point in time. So, I mean, it, I, I, to me, it, it's, def, it's definitely an interesting topic. I think it, it's a topic that's going to have a, a, a lot of points thrown in, but I don't know if it's a topic that's ever going to have a, a, a for sure answer. Just wait until we can start cloning people. That's my answer. When we start cloning people and bringing <laughs> back from the dead, yeah. that's when we can find out. Throw, right. throw Babe Ruth right into the majors, see how he does. Yo, <laughs> guys, but that is the end of our show for today. Look, catch us next week where we're, where we're breaking down the new no-hitter. Uh, we're going to put odds on on who's going to score. For real, though. Next. Yeah, it's ridiculous. For real, though. It, it, it's ridiculous. We might get two this week. Who knows? We might get two You're this cold. week. You know what we need to do? We need to, throw, we need to have two episodes this week to see if our uh, average of <laughs> a, a no-hitter in an episode sticks with us. But look, guys, look. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Look out for, for some more fun baseball stuff out there. It's been Great year so far, and it's only and it's only getting started. So what one month in? We have a long time. Funny because last year this was half half the season. But yo, we'll, we'll catch you guys later. Thank you everybody for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network. Head to our website at tssaw.com and do not forget to subscribe. See you all next week and we'll catch you on the field.